You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Shut the door, have a seat. It's time for Dad and Men. And today's episode is a very special one. And I should probably start I should probably start recording the video. Uh because I wasn't recording the video yet. That's my girlfriend. I there don't she mind is. her. <laughs> <laughs> we should add her to the um, to the audio, Jala. That should just be like a thing. Yeah. How can well, we, we should capture have, her? We should see if we could uh, find one of the, the Mad Men actresses. I don't use that word very often. I don't like to gender uh, spe- specify acting and stuff. But I've only just uh, gotten one into the, that. <laughs> one of the women on Mad Men who acts... We should have one of them say, recording started. I think that'd be a good use <laughs> oh, of time and money. Let's get flow. Let's get flow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you read my mind, buddy. Um, so I'm Michael Rowland. I'm one of the hosts of Dad Men, and my co-host is... Mike Jala here. Yes, sir. And uh, Jala, why are you wearing those silly-looking glasses? What's going on in there? Well, you know, we joined the call with uh, you, know, you and our guests that we're going to be introducing here soon. Uh, a guest, yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody's peeped in on our show. We, we decided to let them in, and uh, everyone's wearing glasses. And I was like, you know what? I I got a pair of glasses I can pick up and put on. You know, be a be a part of the uh, be a part of the team for real, for real. So here I am in my shiny Mom, clear fl- frames. <laughs> I'm sorry that Joe and I made you feel unwelcome. Uh, no, I enjoyed. It. I enjoyed it. it. Made me. It made me like look. Pull up more distinguished lookout. You know what I mean? Nice man. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Let people know uh, I got variations of looks. <laughs> yeah, this is a show yeah, for you know. intellectuals. That too. That too. Who, who the fuck said that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> who the fuck just said that? Hold on. Was I'll that <laughs> was that Don? This is a locked Zoom. This is a locked Zoom call. Uh, Jala, have, have you been up to anything fun uh, since we last recorded? Been uh, popping on a little bit of a little bit of Netflix. I know. I know we had that conversation about the you know the withering away of Netflix or I mean, maybe their popularity or whatever the case. But um, went back to some uh, some classics that they have. Uh, been watching a few of those. Watching uh, Love, Death, and Robots. That's been pretty fun. Um, really enjoyed some of the uh, some of the shorts that they have in that. It's uh, really creative shit. So I've really been enjoying that. Um, aside from that, though. You know, besides uh, doing my usual, my usual daddy duties as the 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 uh, father of the show, <laughs> mm-hmm. not, yes. uh, not much else, not much else. How about you? Well, I'm I'm uh, on the Netflix hype train as well, kind of, mm-hmm. in that like I'm actually considering getting it again because I've been getting into uh, watching. I think you should leave clips. Uh, that's right. That's a show. I wasn't. Uh, wasn't as into the first season, but I think the second season is one of the funniest seasons of a sketch comedy show ever. And uh, yeah, I, I think that I'm going to get Netflix again. Maybe. Nice. Nice. Potentially. Yeah. That's a good idea. They've got That's some stuff. Idea. They've got some stuff coming up. Um, either that or I will uh, beg someone to give me their <laughs> password. But Right here, buddy. Right here. Uh, oh, <laughs> wait. Uh, Netflix lawyers don't. That's he cut didn't that, point cut, to himself. Cut he that out. Cut that out. Cut that. <laughs> cut that. Out. Cut that. Cut. That, cut <laughs> um, no. Uh, and speaking of comedy, and speaking of, I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a guest 
and uh, we actually don't think he should leave. Should uh, we, sh- we have a guest for this week's episode. It's our first guest of Dadman. We're so excited. Uh, his name is Joseph, and uh, his last name is Roland. Ooh. Make, make of that what you will. Uh, please welcome <laughs> on the show. Please welcome on the show, Joseph Roland. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for, for having me. And, and thank you, Michael, for laying out uh, that trail of breadcrumbs that uh, the enterprising <laughs> listener could uh, piece this together and uh, find out the true nature of our existing relationship. Who is this guy? Well, I don't like to spoon feed the, you know, the fools that listen to this. Yeah, show, the know. fools. <laughs> we, call them, we call them fools. We call them fools, but it's a nice, it's an, in a nice way. You fools. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The, the dad Joe, fools. There should be an well, enigma. Like Don himself, there's sort of this question of who am I, really? Yeah, who are yes. you, really? Yeah. <laughs> so... You're our first guest, so obviously you must have something to do with the show. Uh, he wrote John. on it, right? You, de- you definitely yeah. wrote on the show. Uh-huh. That's why he's here. What was your favorite episode to write? <laughs> yeah. How did, you, how did you enjoy playing Harry Crane for this episode? Because it was pretty hot. Pretty hot and heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Some of the stuff, <laughs> Some of the stuff you like had you- to do was cool. <laughs> You mean when you kissed a uh, uh, kissed a uh, lady? Yeah. yeah, they improvised that. We improvised that. <laughs> <laughs> Did she she improvise that without your permission? Yes. It was it was, up, it was it was it was a hot it was a heated scene. I, I was into it. I could tell it was a, definitely improvised. When you hear when you hear that Nixon has won Ohio, <laughs> the passion, the sort of energy, the charge in the room is yeah. you know you do things that. You know, maybe in hindsight you think, well, maybe that was a mistake, but you know, at the time yeah. it's, it feels like yeah, anything maybe. can happen. Yeah, maybe. Well, between and- uh, between Nixon and Ohio, <laughs> uh, between you and your coworker secretary. Mm. Well, instead of going into shtick, I will say that we wanted to have Joe on this episode uh, because Joe and I, I think this is the episode of Mad Men we've watched together more than any other, including watching it with the commentary, on, yeah. which is... I hope you remember some of the stuff from the commentary because I do. It's, I do. Some of it, some of it has, had not left my mind. It's, <laughs> <laughs> there's some really great stuff, and it had uh, a yeah. rich, rich summer who is uh, Harry Crane, the real Harry. Yeah, yes, and it had Vincent Carthizer, who is Pete Campbell. Now, I don't know if have, Jala, have we talked about how I saw Vincent <laughs> Carthizer in person? I, I want to say you mentioned it, but okay. I don't think so. So give me, give me another round of that. I think that would be a good story before we go into the show. Um, Let's do it. Because I think a lot of people are going to listen to this episode when they see Joe is on. And uh, we got to give him a really good story. So, um, I, I went with my mom to see Vinny Carthizer, uh, or Vincent as he prefers to be called. Vinny the Kid. <laughs> Ooh, Vinny the Kid. He, he, was, he was doing a theatrical performance of the, the, um, the play was Pride and Prejudice. And he was Darcy. Nice, and nice. Uh, he did a great job. Yeah, and he he had really cool like sideburns on, and he he was just on fire in the performance. He really nailed the whole regal vibe of this Darcy character. But mm-hmm. um, after the show, I think my mom and I like left a little like we, the show was done, but we left like while people were doing their curtain calls and and people were cheering and it, anyway, um, somehow it it got timed perfectly that. Uh, 
And this was when season six of Mad Men was airing, uh, by the way. So the show wasn't over. But we were on our way to the parking lot and walking out of the venue doors. And who do I see in like, you know how there's like a, a big lobby and then there's like two sets of doors before you go outside in some big buildings? Yeah, yeah. He was he was in like the in between the sets of doors in that section. Oh, cool. And he was, he was on his phone <laughs> and he was having kind of a... Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful in my language because what if he hears this? But he was having kind of a fit. He was having a shit fit about... Uh, he was Pete. He was Pete <laughs> in that exactly moment. exactly the way you'd want to see Pete Campbell, yes. which is like barely keeping it together, um, deeply inconvenienced. But he... So he he doesn't have his license or he didn't at this time. He didn't have his driver's license. Okay. And at the time, that was like a, a role model for me because I didn't have my license either. Nice. Um, you know, I, I didn't get it for a... a I had a late, uh, late driver's license, uh, okay, getting acquisition time period. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Uh, but he was waiting for his sister to give him a ride. How do I know that? Cause he said, I'm just trying to figure out where the fuck my sister is. I'm just trying to find my fucking sister. <laughs> but I, I didn't, I don't want to like imitate him cause I'd be disrespectful. But, uh, it's funny when you say that I hear Pete when you say these words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it probably episode, sounded like it too. Yeah, and and without getting into it, like season six is like the ultimate season of Pete, like getting impotently angry uh, at the, at his surroundings, and so he was still in that mode. Joe is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Oh, it was, was that back then? To see it in person, yeah. It oh, was sweet. Beautiful. It was so cool for me as like a hardcore Pete fan to see the actor having a shit fit, uh, but not in character. Just seeing like the stuff that motivates his performance. And I love it. I the love cool it. thing was. He got off the phone and walked by me, like right next to me, and I just gave him a nod, like uh-huh. like a respectful nod, like like yep. good good performance. That's what yep. I was trying to convey, and he yeah. gave me a, a nod too. It was awesome, really cool. awesome, awesome, yeah, awesome. And then I said, "Sir, can I have your autograph?" <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Sir, can I have your autograph? Uh, I I adopted a new voice, so if he ever heard me again, he wouldn't know I was the autograph seeker. That's a good point. Once he gets on the, once he comes on the show, he won't know it's you. Don't tell the story either. Just hey, keep, it, keep it straight. Hey. I would have nice uh, to- in your position. I would have just chased after him, being, being like, "Hey, Pete, no, Pete. Hey, say chip and dip. Say chip and dip into my phone. Nice. Uh, That's so modern era, Joe. The, the interesting thing is." Um, that he did get hassled by people after he walked by and me, me and my course. mom. Like, of course. There, there was a lady who was like, oh, I'm just such a big fan. Could you please? And he's like, sorry, sorry. And he's just like starting to like not run, but like get faster and faster as he's getting away from a crowd of people. You and know if, how much he appreciated your head nod, bro? Do you realize that? Yeah. Like you did it. You gave I, him the I head like nod that. and he was to, like, yes, yes. When you're like a public figure to have an interaction that is nothing. Yeah. And that is just but it's uh, something it's over. Yeah. Right. But over, and they don't right. ask anything of you. I, I had yeah. no desire to like try to force some sort of like connection with him because he's in a hurry. He's having. I mean, he would have yelled at me. Yeah, he's on the phone. What the hell? What the hell do you think you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, that's why I want to talk to you. Right, duh. <laughs> uh, that line doesn't work here in the real world. I wish I was back at the Winerverse. Okay, uh, so that's you speaking about this encounter, and it makes me want to do this thing that I've always like, kind of like dreamed about doing, which is like pretending to act like you know the famous person, and he, they mm. don't remember you, 
So like <laughs> going up to to Vincent and being like, Vinny, yo, what's going on, man? <laughs> and then he's like, uh, Yeah, yeah, what's up, dude? <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah, hey, hey. Oh, yes, up? I I'm beginning to remember that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's what there's some there's a grain of truth in that where if you act like chill about yep. meeting them, like it's not a big deal for yep. you, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be, go better than like. Oh my God! You yep. saved my life. Exactly, I, and, and putting this like emotional like Heavy pressure on weight. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I didn't. Yeah, it, it's not about bragging about being next to Vinny. It's about like seeing the, the actor act like their character, but not. And and he, it's not like he was being that bad guy. Like, it's not like he was like being rude to staff or rude to fans. He yeah. he was on the phone with a friend and like, where's my fucking sister? Yeah, he didn't take us. <laughs> yeah, he didn't waiting. <laughs> If you're waiting for a ride and you're like trapped in a place with people who are probably gonna wanna Yeah. Like with fans. Yeah. It's like, no, I do need to leave. Me leaving here is like a calculated I, thing that needs to happen quickly. Yeah. Now, now, now there's a freaky guy. He's, he's with his mom. A man a man he just nodded the at vestibule me. with me. I don't know what he wants. He just, I'm gonna nod at him and see if he goes away. Oh, Imagine he's just like talking out loud. You hear him as he's going through this dialogue. <laughs> to- totally oblivious that it's about me. Right. Very like, afraid. Is he talking to me? <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, uh, so I thought that would be a nice little story. Uh, but speaking of stories, it's time to dig into this week's Mad Men story. This is an episode called Nixon versus Kennedy. It was written by Lisa Albert. She actually did. Uh, New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. She wrote New Amsterdam, which is a, another Pete heavy episode. Yep. Um, and yeah, Andre Jacque Meton mm-hmm. and Maria Jacque Meton. I like. That. And uh, it was directed by Alan Taylor, who's a series mainstay. Um, he directed Ladies Room, and uh, you know we we don't have to uh, go back and say everything they've done, but I think those are those are both interesting episodes to compare to this one too. For um, sure. So. The first segment of the show is uh, a little fun game we do called 30 Second Breakdown. And now here's something interesting. Could we have the guest <laughs> do a 30, a 30 second breakdown? Joe, what, what the, basically what we do is we try to summarize the episode in a, you know, it's not going to be super thorough. It's like the AMC style yeah. uh, ep- episode info when you go on your TV guide and see what they say about the episode. But the goal is to mention each plot point. Can you do this? Yeah, I think I can do this. Okay. I'm going to pull up a 30-second timer. Actually, right. it's just going to be a regular timer, but I'll do it for 30 seconds. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a, th- a three, two, one. Three, two, one, go. It's the election night for Nixon versus Kennedy, and the Sterling Cooper office is throwing a big party. Uh they all get really drunk on absinthe. Um, there are some zany <laughs> scenes of, frankly, sexual assault, uh, and everyone makes mistakes. Uh, the next day, in an un- almost unrelated half of the episode, Pete decides he's going to blackmail his boss to uh, get uh, hired for Time. a director of accounts. Time. 30 seconds goes fast. It I does. know, man. Yeah, we, that's been the scariest thing about the show is that I thought I had like a decent semblance of 30 seconds. And then Jala's like, that was 30 seconds, man. And I'll you be know, like, I just, yeah. Uh, not to not to tell you to crib ideas from another show, but this is just an idea. 
Okay. Uh, the Just King Things <clears throat> podcast, where they read they, they read every Stephen King book in publication order. They do the five sentence summary, so there's no time, but there is still the the brevity of having to get ah. like a fourteen hundred page book down to five sentences. That's pretty okay, cool, especially not... from a literary yeah. perspective. Five sentences, as though yeah. There's also the thing of like, hey, what parts of the Stephen King ep- book matter? <laughs> you know. Okay, I will not do that next. Fair enough. <laughs> that's no, a, that's he's going a, to. He's, go, he's going to. <laughs> that's a Nathan, a Nathan for you reference. Uh, either, he's going to a uh, publicity guy because he wants to have poo, fla- uh, poo frozen yogurt at this Ew. frozen yogurt place. <laughs> and, and the guy's like, this is a terrible idea. I can think of five ideas that are better off the top of my head. And the guy gives his first idea and Nathan goes, okay, I wouldn't go to that. Next. <laughs> He says you could have a frozen yogurt eating contest. Okay, I wouldn't go to that. Next. I love that because it's just like maybe the idea is not so good, but Dave, you know he's just going to say that to every idea. Yes, yes. So it's a, it's a waste of time, and it's like aggressive and kind of, but like passive aggressive too. Um, so anyway, uh, five sentences. Sure, that's okay. Thirty seconds. It's okay. Thirty seconds. Yeah. They say we should do thirty seconds. I don't think so. That's not enough time. Jesus. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so good thirty oh second God. summary, Joe. Were you pretty much done with that? Pete decides to blackmail his boss. Well, uh, now here's here's an interesting thing. Yeah, is is Don Pete's boss? Uh, no, not technically. Ish. Yeah, he's a he's like I Above think he's it. not officially a partner yet. Maybe. May I think he? Okay, he got partner. Yeah, he got partner. So I guess he could fire Don. Yeah, he is his boss technically because he's partner. Yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting a little bit about the first episode is that I don't think that they had clearly established the dichotomy between creative and accounts. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Yep. So in the pilot, Pete is very much Don's like direct subordinate, it seems like. Right. And Because um, none of like, the writers show up in that writerly capacity. They just show up as a bunch of dickheads <laughs> in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, but I think the show does a good job of uh, explaining that Pete wants whatever looks enticing to him right. at the moment. Like, he he wanted to be a published writer when Cosgrove got to be a published writer. Yeah. And he, he wants to be head of account services because there's people younger than him at other firms that have it. And now there's the potential that he could get it. All he has to do is blackmail his boss. Yeah. Easy peasy, right? That's how the sausage gets made sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Pete is a little bit of a Mr. Me Too guy, if you know what that means. But not the modern version of Me Too. Well... Yes, thank you. Sorry. I'm speaking more of a hip-hop version, he, but yes. Yeah. He, he, he is also the modern version, too, because... He the is way that. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Joe's like, He's actually... some bad stuff. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, Joe, it's your dream. You can actually uh, stop us. <laughs> He can stop us while we're talking as opposed to pausing the podcast. I can also uh, say well, actually, to people. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. So let's go into the carousel. Nostalgia. It's delicate. But potent. Sweetheart. Joe, the carousel is a segment of the show where... We basically go over how we thought the episode is today, uh, how it aged, and uh, 
like memories we have watching it the first time or however many times we've seen it. And uh, so, Joe, since you're the guest, what what memories do you have watching uh, Nixon versus Kennedy? And how did it sit with you when you watched it today? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the especially that first season of Mad Men, uh, that's when we got the box sets and we were watching them at, at our mom's house, you know, as some like family, you know, binge watching. That's that's our that was the first couple seasons. That's, you know, that's the strongest association I've got with those uh, those really good times because, you know, just uh, digging into this amazing show. And uh, this episode, like this is a stone cold stunner. This is a spectacular episode. It is. Um, I, I I go into it more, but it's like this um, is almost kind of a launch pad of like, oh, this is the show kind of really. I mean, it's certainly it's it's this big climax of the first season, and it mm-hmm. makes such a profound statement to think about what the show is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 got unforgettable moments. It's it's uh, it's spectacular. Watching it again recently was just uh it was delightful i mean the Mm. main thing i noticed watching it again uh this week was just kind of seeing how much the first half of the episode is kind of uh separate from the second half there's not that much connective tissue between the office party and all the business with don and pete there's a little bit of a thematic connection but they otherwise the two halves don't there's there's very clearly part one part two of the episode yeah, I mean, Peggy's plot is sort of a A to B plot from the uh, the party into the next day, though. And uh, yeah. I think Don Don's plot is pretty A to B because he goes home and sees Betty, and uh, you know the election results are being shown. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just two different days. You know, he kind of disappears from that. I, I I like the way that he disappears from the first half of that episode. He mm. just goes. It's a night where Don Draper goes home. Yeah, hangs out with his with his kids for once and <laughs> Betty's surprised by yeah. it, of course. Yeah, that was sad that she's like, I didn't know if you were going to be home. Like she's she's shocked to see him, and it's so interesting because like it really yeah. paints a picture of Don distancing himself these last few months. I'm, I'm based on what we've seen. Curious about like what time it's supposed to be. I guess yeah. it's November, so it could be. But yeah, it's like dark out. You know. Oh, I see and what you mean. Betty's already in couch mode with the glass of wine. Yeah, with the TV on. You know, sometimes mommy needs her wine. Boy, and daddy yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Yeah. Not on the show or any, anything of that nature. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if Don said, not to get off course, guys, but imagine if Don said, "Daddy needs his wine." <laughs> In a meeting. <laughs> well, hold hold on a second. <laughs> daddy needs his wine. It's after he has a concussion. That's how he'll act. That's definitely a stir. Like my bar, daddy needs his wine. <laughs> I think it would look cool if Don okay, Draper Don? slash John Hamm did that. I yeah. think that he would pull that off. He could Daddy needs it, yeah. <laughs> And then Pete would try to do it with Hildy later, and she'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Well, Joe, I, I agree with you. I mean, the thing that I remember about this episode is, like, I think this is the episode, as crazy as it sounds, that made me love Pete Campbell. Oh, I'm really? Not That's so fucking yeah. interesting. You like his gusto, don't you? I, his his behavior is despicable, mm-hmm. um, but there's two things. One, his body language is incredible as he's blackmailing Don. Joe course. and I have this inside joke where 
uh, Pete, <laughs> he he has this thing that he does, and you'll see it throughout the show, where he takes his two hands and turns them into two birds kissing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he does this uh, throughout the series, but especially in this episode. Um, but there's just something about, like, the the like gravity of what he's doing and he it's lost it seems to be either he's in complete denial about it mm-hmm. or he doesn't want to act like he's blackmailing someone you know what i mean like he's mm-hmm. like he's denying that it's blackmail and he's saying it's it's just all you're doing is giving me a favor like there's room enough at the top for both of us it's that line yeah. from the pilot right mm-hmm. there's room mm-hmm. enough at the top for both of us you're just doing me a solid even though <clears throat> the means that w- of which I'm like trying to get this from you are despicable. And there is this moment where he turns away from Don in the office and he's going to the door to close it. And um, he looks like, am I really about to do this? And he yep. looks kind of like sick. Yep. But then when he turns around from that door, he he is now Pete, the, the money maker or the, the deal maker. You know, right. he, he, he adopts the, it's not even bravado, but it's almost just like, a cold, cold uh, acceptance, acceptance of what he, he's about to do. And like, yeah, sorry, Joe, go ahead. He Don Draper's up. Yeah. He, he adopts a persona, walks into the room and, is tr- and does his best to say, this is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, Just I like daddy. My notes. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that in my notes. Pete Campbell shoots his shot in this episode. This is him yeah. going for it. It's... It yeah. is through a blackmail that he doesn't want to call a blackmail, but he really is like trying to. He's coming at Don Draper in a <laughs> Joe, real way. Joe, Joe, he literally in yeah. this episode says, "I will shoot you." Yeah, that was like the hardest line. <laughs> that was that was like one of the hardest Pete lines ever. One of my one of my favorite you. lines. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> I will shoot you. <laughs> you know. So the commentary um, that we watched ages ago, I, I've tried to. I didn't find the time to listen to that again, but that would have been a good idea. Uh, but Vincent Carthizer uh, gives us a little insight into Pete that that always stuck with me. That where he's like, in Pete's mind, he's like, you know, put it, he's like thinking about Don's position. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this job to a smart, qualified young man, and it comes up later. He's like, why wouldn't you just give me the job? It's just right. a job. Yeah, and he's kind of right. <laughs> You know, there is there is a part of what Pete's doing that is he is kind of right about the whole like people younger than him have the job and he he thinks he's just as good as those people. So why wouldn't he get it? You know, yeah, he I think he almost takes it personally uh, and it's not. Well, it is kind of personal with Don, I guess. But <laughs> there's also to, to bring it back to the dad stuff like there isn't like Don almost seems like throughout this episode he is trying to teach Pete something. Like, I used to watch this episode and think he just completely hates Pete and he wants mm-hmm. to kill him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when when Pete is asking him about the job before the blackmail, Don is still the patient, like, interesting. Uh, he has an interesting look to him when he talks to Pete about the job where it's like he, he does see what a value Pete is to the company. Yeah. Uh, but he just doesn't think Pete's ready, which is like... Yeah. It's kind of a dad thing to say. I don't think you're ready yet, but like yeah. you do bring value. Well, blah blah blah. What did, what did Pete's dad say? I just don't think well, it'd be it's a, not good, a idea. good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's dad. Listen, Pete's dad is a good guy. We've talked about this before. Uh, oh, yeah, not great, smug at all. Shorts. Not smug at all. <laughs> great but, shorts. That's good. <laughs> his outfit is is killer. It's incredible. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but to me, the thing that I noticed on this watch, because um, I love, I've already 
you know, gone into why I love Pete in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think Pete's learned something at the end of the episode. Uh, not, And I'm not saying that because I'm a genius and I've watched all the other episodes. But, like, when Don tells him that he, you know, never had to work for what he has and he's rich and he has... He basically tells Pete, you didn't have to work as hard as everyone else. And and Cooper tells him this is energy that could have been spent getting clients. I, it seems like that hits Pete. Both times, both those mentors say that to him. You can see something in his face. Um, so I, I, that's why I think I love Pete in this episode. Because it's like, he got humbled by this experience. Yeah. No, no, no. Pete's seemingly, getting hit seemingly. with... Yeah, Pete's getting hit with wisdom from both angles. Yeah. <clears throat> He's getting and, wisdom from Don, but Don's doing it in a prickly way, though, and that's what's mm. rubbing Pete the, uh, the wrong way, I think, and making him kind of... I mean, Pete probably would have already done it anyway, but it's making him want to do, like, pull the trigger more um, mm. on Don because Don is kind of very flippant, but trying to teach Pete patience. But, you know, they they both know that there's a little bit of a fear there. There's a little mm. bit. Don fears it a little bit to put him in a position of power. He doesn't want that type of person in a position of power. Um, makes him uncomfortable, I think. And you know what? A lot of the recurring themes of the season are about Don's fear of the new generation and of yep. Pete. Like he yep. he mentions in the pilot that he's scared of this executive that wants his job, you know? Yep. And not only does he face the fear of telling someone that he's not Don Draper, um, or, or at least giving Pete permission to tell someone that he's um, not Don Draper. But he faces the fear of, like, telling Pete exactly what he wants to say to him. You know, he he, he tells him exactly what he thinks about him. And it's yeah. not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that I felt while watching this was, like, the cinematography, the directing. It's on another level from the rest of this season. Like, oh, yeah. And there's beautiful episodes of season one. But, like, this felt like Mad Men the movie in terms yeah. of, like... Every shot was perfectly framed. The lighting was perfect. Like, I noticed it first in, in Pete and Trudy's scene, um, which is, like, a great scene, by the way. Yeah. Uh, she looked gorgeous, where, by the way. In her she looked movie. gorgeous. Uh, Pete looked like a little boy in his pajamas. He really um, did. <laughs> he's a little boy who somehow married a beautiful woman. And, and she's and she's just, like, a strong... She She's a... Um, She's very strong and like sure-footed about herself. That's that's a cool. She thing knows what's her. right. She knows what's right and wrong, and she sticks to it. And I just love all she needs to say is it's not yours. You know, yep. uh, simple as that. You know, speaking of getting the chance to say the things that I wanted to say when uh, <laughs> I was listening to New Amsterdam, because New Amsterdam is the first time we see Trudy uh, in the series, and I think she she comes into the show and starts kicking ass immediately. Yep, uh, she's so good. Like, I get why I Pete feels like a stupid child all the time, because she's so smart and good and, like, kind of kind, but also, like, mm-hmm. very much, like, trying to be like, no, 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 this is the thing that's good for you. I already know about it. Right. Like, we're going to get this apartment. My parents are going to help us pay for it. And if, if you feel like you don't have input in the situation, what input could you have? This is the good thing that we're going to do, you know? Right, right. No, she's great. Allison Brie, props, obviously. Yeah, she's a she's a strong woman, strong oh, yeah. person mm-hmm. to have to deal with Pete's. I mean, that's the thing she deals with Pete. Yeah. Like, imagine right. having to deal with him, and it's on a daily basis. <laughs> the patience, the patience she must have had yeah. that character. I'm um, wondering if she patterns his mother, um, Pete's mother. I don't know if she does or not, because but she might. You know how that you know there's always this saying that you know mm-hmm. you marry Freud or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Freud, Freud and his his thoughts. 
And um, I mean, she did come from money. His mom came from money. She's strong. Mom is strong. His Pete's mom is kind of weak. Yeah, she. I think she's of a different time. Yeah, I think if uh, she was um, around the time that Pete and you know of Pete's era, she might be a little bit more. You know what I mean? Because she plays the she plays the prototypical wife of the home, mm-hmm. but just happens to have money. Now, now, now we have like um, Trudy, who is the wife of the home with money, but she's verbalizes herself much more. Yeah, you know what I mean, much clearer. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, the only times we've seen Pete's mom is when. Yeah. She, like, leaves the room when there's conflict and doesn't really voice her opinion except to say, like, it'll be nice to have you kids at the house for something we're doing this summer. So, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. Saying it. I don't know if she's weak. Between, you know, her dad, her her husband saying really awful shit, she's on a different conversational track about, like, well, wouldn't it be nice to go on a vacation? (laughs) Yeah. That that is true. That is true. No, I'm reaching. I I was um, reaching a little bit, but. I, I try to see if there's like a connection between like yeah. the relationship between Trudy, and my the mother. Yeah, what exactly. the hell? <laughs> yeah, Pete, calm That's down, Pete. calm down, Pete. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Wasn't Sam hell? Um, but the vibe I got from this episode was it's like Mad Men the movie, where it's like all the plot points are coming to a head, and it it just felt like the the production got upped in a big way, and actually. This is one of the first Don Draper flashbacks where I'm like, oh, yeah, that that matches the quality of the rest of the show, you know? The, the like, graphics are not graphics, but the um, the it's not graphics. It's like the cinematography and like the, the effects that were used in this uh, in the yeah, episode yeah. are really good. Yeah, because we've talked a little bit about how the flashbacks can either be really good or they, they seem to be like done by a different production company. Not like they are, but they seem like it with how the approach is like, it feels like different from the main show and it really, the acting just seems more like stage wooden. Point. Yeah. Wooden, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, quality, this is one of the best episodes I think of any TV show ever. I, I think, um, Yo, you, you I, and I, I, man are on the same, same wavelength. I, um, I'm, I'm giving it five. I'm giving it five Manhattans for sure. No doubt about it. For sure. I want to go into a few pieces that I uh, for this episode. Um, I'm with you, though, Mike. I think you can put this episode against the best TV show's best episode, and it stands It stands with it, if not towers over it. I, I, don't, I, w- I won't be as bold to say towers over it, but this episode clearly, to me, it's my uh, one of my favorite episodes in the series period but this is a landmark episode for the show just in general and on even a more detailed note this episode is a glimpse of how and why John Ham will never need to act again <laughs> oh yeah because he he cemented himself in this in this episode the 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 detail and um shape shifting he has to do in this episode is like remarkable. It's remarkable. Like I haven't, he does it a little bit like as we lead up to this episode in the first season, but this episode, man, John Hamm, the voice changing. I don't know if you guys noticed that when you're watching the episode, when he's shifting in and out of his Don, his Don Draper with Dick Whitman persona, his vocal tone changes. Yeah. His face changes. 
his mannerisms change. Like it's incredible. He's transforming as a character. It's it's it's, it's unbelievable. When he visits Megan, uh, or I'm sorry, Rachel. There's no character called Megan on Mad Men. You know what he's talking about. <laughs> but um, when he visits Rachel, uh, he is Dick Whitman, and it's not just yep. like oh he looks scared. Like his his no, vocal no, no. timbre has changed completely. In the way he rushes his lines is a mm-hmm. is a Dick Whitman uh, yeah. trait. It's incredible. He sounds like he's 15. He sounds like a yeah. teenager. He sounds- <laughs> where, where, are we, where are we gonna go? I don't know. We'll think. We'll figure it out. Isn't this what I you think, wanted? Uh, isn't this what you wanted? Oh. <laughs> he's such a kid. <laughs> Jeez, Rachel. Uh, he becomes a playing dynamite, for lack of yeah. a better term. But but yeah, uh, I agree with you, Jala. I mean, like we've we've shown glimpses of Dick Whitman, like when he visits Adam at his apartment yep. or his hotel. Um, mm-hmm. He was Dick Whitman there too. But here he's like, and and that's why the flashback is so great because it shows how authentically true to his original self he is being. You know, um, and it's so interesting. They could have like hired a younger actor to play him in those flashbacks, but John Hamm somehow morphs his body to be smaller and, voice. <laughs> and his voice to be pre-puberty. <laughs> they, it, it made me, it made me question if they altered his voice in post or if John is just doing it himself. Yeah. I want to give it to John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they throw him in this big poncho to like, and they put him in the shadows to really just hide as much of him. Mm-hmm. Cause I noticed that later on when he's like digging the ditches, um, that uh, illusion sort of fell away because you could just see him in the plain light. He just looks like mm. John Hamm. At that. He just looks like Don Draper <laughs> in that scene to me. I, I wasn't but, uh, paying yeah. enough attention to know. With, it, it's always um, the the giveaway is always if he has bigger hair. <laughs> and that's, oh, yeah, that's Dick. That's Dick Whitman. He's got a larger, more of a 50s hairstyle. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Um, Joan and Kinsey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I enjoy them together. I I think um, they have a decent vibe with the. They kind of not even this episode is not like the reason why I'm saying that. They've in, they've interacted before and they've always had this little thing back and forth, but but they never go with it. And that's you know he actually even asked in the episode like you know why why you know what would I do wrong basically mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> Joan's funny. You know, she just say you, know, you have a big mouth. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the, it's alluding to like he may have told someone something, and at first he tries to deny it, but then when when she says it again, he admits to it. You know, yeah, yeah. he's like, okay, the All subtext. Right, you got me. You got me. <laughs> That's what's interesting about that is when you rewatch season one, and for the folks who are watching it for the first time with us, we we tried not to spoil this, but in the background you can see little hints that they were in a sort of secret relationship that maybe didn't end very well. Um, sure. On Peggy's, maybe not her first day, uh, maybe it's her second day, but Joan does mm-hmm. say, "I'm trying to show you the ropes so you don't make the mistakes I made here. Here comes one uh, now." And then Paul Kinsey and his friends walk by. Yeah. Um, oh wow, my great catch! Yeah, I yeah. missed that. I've been I've been holding my tongue about that one. Um, and then <laughs> them them dancing together at the uh, at the bar during Peggy's celebration for being the copywriter or getting her her copywriting approved. They they dance together, and you, when you watch that after knowing this, it's like oh, there's kind of a. I do like them Chemistry. together. I do like them together, but not. I wouldn't want them to be like a couple, but as like friends who like have a kind of sad past. It's a great 
great scene. One of the best scenes in the episode, too. I would say you make me you make me like think back in time to like their early relationship. They definitely went dancing a lot together. They probably did. And that's why he always brings it up. And that's why they always kind of dance together. I'm sure that was like their thing. Like, let's yeah. go dancing. You know what I mean? I'm like crafting like a, a <laughs> I should write a fan fiction about Joe, <laughs> Joan and Kinsey. <laughs> well, what was uh, what was Kinsey's great idea for a story? <laughs> He's like, I wound no. out at this uh, bar in Jersey. That's, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's right. <laughs> yeah. His play. Joe, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Jonas heard that story like five times. Oh, I'm sure. Joe's talking about yeah. the story where he says to, is it Harry Crane and, and Ken Cosgrove? Yeah, that's his idea for a short story. Is that he went to a bar and there were black people at the bar. And we all got along. And we all got along. Isn't that a great that's idea for right. a short story? And that's right. Everyone else in the room is like, no. <laughs> they don't answer. Horrible They're story. Like, yeah. Yeah, good story. <laughs> she probably got tired of him threatening to threatening to kill himself if Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the jokes. I don't know if you remember that, but in, in episode two. Oh, yeah. He bears this horrible weight on Peggy's shoulders that if they don't renew Twilight Zone, he's going to kill himself. And Peggy seems to take him pretty seriously. She's not familiar with like. <laughs> <laughs> Kinsey's got that early like e- internet guy type discourse before there was an internet. Yo, you, know? <laughs> you can see a modern Kinsey getting really upset about uh, like Firefly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's or community. On. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or community. Oh, <laughs> Paul would be such a community guy. It's brilliant. Oh my god! <laughs> I watch Abed, and he says everything that I've always thought about television. It's a brilliant subversion of the. So the uh, sitcom format. He's more of a Donald Glover fan. He's like a big Atlanta guy. <laughs> Dan Harmon, have you heard about this? He has invented this new story paradigm called a circle of heroicism. Paul Kinsey telling all of his co-workers about Childish Gambino. Have you heard his music? This is America. This is America blows up and he's like, actually, I was into him before. Uh, this, you know, yeah. You guys ever heard the camp album? <laughs> So Kinsey and Joan, to me, mm-hmm. is like, imagining them together is something I can't do. I think they're fine as, I do like their exes dynamic. Yeah. But it's like, sure. to to Paul, Joan is probably going to be like the one that got away. He gets right. to like define like his entire romantic future by Joan, because she's Joan. Right. Yes. To Joan, he's like, you know... Just one of like a lot of kind of disappointing men that she's been involved with, Ooh. and <laughs> she's the thing is it's I'm like what <laughs> to be honest is like when I see them together I'm like this is time that could be spent on Joan and Roger. This could be time oh, spent showing okay. me more Joan and Roger, which is like I see you. He's I both you. a more <laughs> she's both happier with him, and he also has a much uh-huh. greater capacity to disappoint her. Yeah, I mean, Joan and Roger together are are fantastic. I, I think that what the creators of the show may have intended to do was to say that this was a past relationship. You know, yeah. like I, I'm not sure that it was happening like behind our or under our noses during this whole season. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like something that we never saw. Because one of the things I love about Mad Men is it's it's a world that seemed like it existed before we started seeing it. Right. Um. So. There's a lot of history that's implied between these characters. Definitely. And, uh, that's what I love about this season is there's some other storylines that are like 
you don't really know what's going on until like a few episodes in. And then you can rewatch the show and go, oh, yeah, there were clues the whole time. You <laughs> yeah. know, so. that's the beauty. Do you guys have anything more to say about the party in general? I think that the um, the scene where Ken Cosgrove last week, we had just <laughs> mentioned that Ken Cosgrove had become like the character we love. Oh, yeah. And let's let's test that. Love. I, I, so, no, well, I, I forgot about this scene, um, like when I said that we love him now and like he's finally the Ken we love. It was a foolish and like <laughs> impulsive thing for me to say. I don't know how I forgot about this, but basically there's a scene where he chases after Allison, one of the uh, people working at Sterling Coup, mm-hmm. and uh, pins her to the ground. So right away that sounds pretty yeah, bad, tackles right? Her. Tackles her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pins her and pulls up her dress so so that they can see it's a game in the office. Yeah, to quote, find unquote, out playful what color, tackle. What color the you thought it was playful? Well, it is. She's laughing and running. Yeah. They're like goofing off. Not, not to yeah. say the, the atmosphere is playful, even though some people are like horrified by this. To say nothing right, like, of right. the hell is he all doing? the people who are <laughs> right. You know, she's she laughs it off, but it's like we also just see it happen again, like in the background, the moment after they like do the cute. Oh yeah, arm and arm walk off. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, Flo and Peggy are it's, both it's... like Jesus. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, Flo. We have a segment. It's not a segment as much as a recurring motif on this show, which is Flow Watch. And so, Jala, mark that down that <laughs> yep. Flow was in this episode. I got the Flow yeah. sighting. Uh, let me put that in my notes here, real quick. Flow uh, on sighting. the Datapedia. Datapedia. Uh, <laughs> we have hardcore fans that are like, make sure you're keeping track of all the Flow appearances. And I try to tell them that she stops appearing after season one, but they are like, well, you got to make sure. And so, that's what we're doing. <laughs> We're making sure that, that so she's... Not sure. Gotta go through every episode. That's the process. <laughs> we will yeah. insert so her in. <laughs> that's 80% of the reason this podcast was started. Flow watch. <laughs> and the other, the other 20% was uh, Daddy Loves His Wine talk. <laughs> <laughs> Does John Cam do cameos? Can we get him to say Daddy Loves His Wine? Ah, <laughs> oh, man. You know, I... I have a pretty decent John Hamm, well done Draper impression. He it's does. just decent though, but and I only can do the line "You're making a fool of yourself," which he said that to Pete. <laughs> yeah, he said yeah. it. This is I it. I say it to my wife all the time, Pete, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know a fool. You think your you. wife's? <laughs> so you're saying your wife's a? You're saying your wife's a fool? Hey, you, what'd you call my wife? Oh, you said it. <laughs> just, just he just gets wife. awkward. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, Joe's is better Thanks. than mine. It, it's, um, a, it's a deep, it's a deep, uh, deep tonal you guys can reach I, I, that I can. Yeah. <laughs> my tone, it's just my regular speaking voice is not very bassy. I kind of have a tenorish it's, voice. <laughs> they can all be fixed with the right mic. We'll mm-hmm. go to Guitar Center. It's yeah. all good. Do the uh, thing. Like, this mic will take you from a Pete to a Don. <laughs> yeah, Pete. That's a great line. That's a great tagline. For, that is uh, awesome. That's like something that they would come up with in the show. Yeah, well done, Don. Well in done. season twelve of the show, they, they'd have a, a company that's 12. like, we should have put you two in the ad. <laughs> yeah, season saying, twelve. Are you saying that my voice is high? <laughs> what the hell? Who the hell do you think you're talking to? <laughs> that's his line. Just thinking about yeah. how Pete would be in season twelve. Spoilers. Oh hey, but, that's uh, a spoiler. Yeah. That's a spoiler. We're gonna cut that. That's out. Right, that's <laughs> We're gonna cut that shit out. We're gonna we're gonna bleep it though, so no one knows what you're talking about. Let's bleep about. it. Let's bleep it. <laughs> Just thinking about how bleep Pete would. It's pretty shocking what I said about Pete. <laughs> yeah. How? But you'll never know. No, never mind. 
Thank you, yes. Mike. Yes. Definitely bleeping that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I've said everything I need to say about the episode beyond uh, that pulling up a girl's dress. Oh, about the party. Oh, actually, Joe, uh, yeah, I, I have a segment called Mike's uh, Michael's Relationship Nook and Ooh, Mental Health Bodega. And so I'm saving that. But basically, the, the number one thing about this episode is you should not pull up a girl's dress um, while she's like resisting yeah. you yeah. And, and tell people what color her underwear is because that's messed up. It was the '60s, so she kind of has to just laugh it off. Well, they uh, they sleep together. I know. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. so it's, it's like, fucked up. Yeah, it's like this is not making excuses for the behavior in Mad Men. It's just that like this is normalized to the yeah, extent right. that she's like she's exactly. into Ken. Yeah, like she's yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is just me she, getting to flirt with Ken Cosgrove, a guy I like. Yeah, later. it's a this is well, the flirting he's a tactic. Yeah, <laughs> he's a guy. He's yeah. a guy, and he he's a guy, and he's drunk. Yeah, this nightmare. So. Show. Yeah, and he likes me. <laughs> and then Flo says, would you like a quote on your car insurance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a hack in this week's episode. Just completely out of context. <laughs> <laughs> and then she smiles at the camera. And I'm Flo. <laughs> you know, oh, about the party, I actually yeah. kind of find, I find the scene with... I find Harry and Hildy to be kind of sweet. Yeah. We're we're in the, the, you know, no spoilers here, but we're meeting a Harry Crane that is kind of the best he's ever going to be. He's like a pretty nice mm. guy. He's like, okay, he's like a decent guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just, he's at a party and. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the scene too. I, I enjoy, I enjoyed his like slip up with Hildy. I know it sounds, it's, it's very scandalous for me to say, but. <laughs> But I, 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 um, they had a genuine moment. I think yeah. that's probably why yeah. it's cute. Cause it was very like, that wasn't, that's not like he was planning on Hildy no. like for, for like months or something. And then it's like, oh, here's my chance. Right. It was just like drunk and like in, in this like fran- franticness of, <laughs> of winning Ohio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> We've all done things when we find out Ohio is one. Republican candidate for president has taken Ohio. It's a good point, Jolly. I mean, it is a. I would agree with you guys. I think that throughout this whole season, the the writers present Harry Crane as the one who's not going to do this stuff. Yep. Yes. And when you're watching this, you do get into a sense of security. Like, oh, I know this guy is the one who's always talking about his wife mm-hmm. and openly says he doesn't want to fool around with, on his wife, yeah. like cheat on yeah. her. Yeah. Straight laced guy. Um, so when it happens, it is shocking. I mean, I remember when I first watched it, and I was just like, oh, not shit. Harry. <laughs> Not Harry, and I thought that would be it. Like it was kind of awkward, but then they do uh, end up getting together. Yeah, and uh, I, I've in in Hildy's defense, I feel bad for her the next morning because yeah. she's kind of oh. talking to herself. Yeah, uh, and Harry is just kind of like grumbling and and moaning and saying, "Oh, fantastic! Oh, this is just perfect." Yeah, him yeah. frustrated taping his glasses together is some great. Yeah, <laughs> that's this is an episode that's full of great physical bits. And that's a great yeah. one, I think. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, the physicality. Sure. Yeah, yeah Hildy, Hildy's cool because she's like, you know, you don't have to worry about this. It just, you know, it's yeah. nothing. So we can just it, go about she, our business. She's a great background character. She seems so much smarter than any of the guys would notice in the office. But mm-hmm. she puts up with Pete and, like, talks back to him. Uh, 
like last week when she talked about how that all she's going to do is stare at that door <laughs> and, and Pete gets to say one of his best lines, who the hell do you think you're talking to? Uh, you know, she, she's a fantastic foil for Pete and, she uh, she deserves better. And, and I think the thing none of us said, but we should have said is that Joan deserves better than Paul Kinsey. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I want to make sure that the fans know that we think that Paul Kinsey's a dope and, yes. uh, <laughs> He mostly is a guy that sucks. Like that's the thing. You got you guys. Uh, yeah, you guys are um, not really Kinsey guys. Not that I am, <laughs> but um, he makes me laugh sometimes. Um, me too. Yeah, and, he does uh, make me laugh. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of just, and he kind of is a uh, the um, retro nerd of the uh, office. So I got, I got, I got to rock out for the nerds. He's openly anti-racist too, which you know, <laughs> Super it may be annoying to us yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> performative. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> performative anti-racism in the '60s is better than uh, this is what I'm saying. A lot of stuff. Dad. This is what I'm. This is, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pete's better than dad. Pete's dad. <laughs> Pete's dad. At least you know he's being honest. Well, he's still saying horrible things though. <laughs> so, give me your Manhattan ratings for the the episode. Oh, it's a it's a it's a five Manhattans for me. Okay, easy, Joe. Um, I'm giving this a lot of thought. It's like <laughs> the first step, the first half of the episode is three and a half Manhattans. Uh, the second half of the episode is five Manhattans. No oh, way. No. What? You know, to I go into it, it, I think, um, the first half is like a classic Mad Men short story episode where the secondary characters mm-hmm. get to come out and play. Um, okay. and it's fine for that there's you know it's not my my favorite guys uh Mm -hmm. it's first season so it's like just still a little bit like some of these characters are kind of embryonic um but uh yeah the second half is uh, frankly it's like the second half i almost want to say for (laughs) we you guys were talking about it earlier i found myself thinking like you know i don't have anything to say about the korea stuff like um positively or negatively uh it's like neither. It's like I, yeah. I just I, I'm like oh okay. So we are gonna see what okay. Dylan did. Okay, uh, I got you. I have a. I guess if if I if you <laughs> if you'd indulge me, can I share with you my sort of galaxy brain take about this uh, episode and what it means to Mad Men as a whole? Sure. Before we go into proper Let's segments, and I'll try to be concise. Okay. Uh, so you know the first season of Mad Men is really. It's structured in a lot about like who is Don Draper. It's this mystery, and right. a lot of shows, a lot of pre- like uh, prestige drama shows, mm-hmm. have that kind of mystery at the at the core of them. They have this like hook that reaches out and grabs okay. you, and then it's like it's this question of like, oh, when is this going to be revealed? When is someone going to find out? How is that going to like radically change the show? And, you know, mm-hmm. it's because it's like that's like a bomb that's going to go off, and in, in the the suspense of it. Um. But the moment when, you know, we, it finally comes to a head and Burt Cooper says to Don, or says to Pete, you know, Mr. Campbell, who cares? <laughs> That's kind of him talking about the show, too. Because it's like all this, like the who is the Dick Whitman of it all isn't that you. important. <clears throat> it's not that important to figuring out who Don is today. Because it's like, it's a deflationary move. It's a way of being like, 
Oh yeah, you found out your your deepest darkest darkest secret was revealed. Nothing's gonna happen because this is not what the show is about. The show is about who these people are today, and it's like now that the big lie has been revealed in some way, mm-hmm. Don's gonna keep lying to himself. He's he still doesn't know who he is, which is kind of that's what the show is about to me. So okay. Yeah. Okay. The, I follow you. I follow you on it's that. It's the transition <clears throat> from Mad Men as a show about these external, you know, like really kind of typical drama plot lines to being a show that's about interiority and about like mm. really getting at these characters, who they are, what what are they doing, what do they want in a way that is I think so much more profound than a lot of other It's it's I'm not going to say it's what makes Mad Men better than other shows, but I think it's what makes it special. And right. different from a show like uh, like a Sopranos or a Breaking Bad, right, especially like a right. Breaking Bad where you've got like this is very plot level stuff and it's like very clearly about just the one story. Mm-hmm. And Mad Men is about this thing that's um, a lot more elusive and hard to define. So I think right. that that's the culmination of that plot line is like it's it's like the ramp the show flies off to achieve the heights that make it like my favorite show of all time. Gotcha. Well said. Well said. Joe. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a metatextual thing about um, Bert saying, who cares yeah. about mm-hmm. this big reveal? <laughs> and it's kind of shocking when you first watch it. I know when I first watched it, uh, it was really shocking. But, um, <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. a big, like, it's a cheer. It's like a laugh out loud, <laughs> loud line, you know? Yeah, I can imagine watching that with, like, a group in a theater and people clapping at that point. Um, okay, cool. So we've all gotten our ratings out of our system. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's time for the uh, the fun segment of the show, which is Sterling's Gold. Nicely done. I didn't think you had it in you, and I mean that. Um, so, Jala, we'll let you go first this time. Um, did you have a favorite comedic moment from this episode? Because that's what Sterling's Gold is about, your favorite joke or line or physical comedy. What, what did you got? Yeah, for me, this episode, I liked, um, I liked the, uh, the line that was read during the, uh, during Kinsey's uh, play scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't even cover that this whole. Yeah. yeah I, I can use that as an opportunity here. And, um, Joan and, uh, Joan and, um, uh, Salvatore. Sal. Yeah. Thank you, Sal, for short. Um, and basically he goes in there and, uh, the line that, uh, Sal reads is, uh, I'm not some boyish uh, natural like that hat Cosgrove. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at it. Um, <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed that one, and I really enjoyed... Um, this one was funny in the moment. Uh, Kinsey was basically uh, was commenting on uh, Duck leaving the office, and he says... Um, you know, maybe he met some girl and like had some issue. Like, I guess he used to work in... Um, he used to work overseas. Is that, am I right on that? Yeah, he used to work in so England. He, yeah, yeah, he worked in England at, I think it's Y&R. Yeah, and, Y&R. Uh, he, he did, the rumor is he did meet some girl and uh, things went haywire. <laughs> yeah, and the line was, her name was Rosetta. Rosetta Stone. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, you're loving yeah. Kinsey on this episode, he's man. Yeah, man. <laughs> he's funny. I think he's, he's he has his moments of funny. You know, mm-hmm. I like you he's, guys. You guys are funny. <laughs> he's too, uh, hey. He's too clever. He's too clever by a half, Jeffrey. That's a community (laughs) reference. Good shit. (laughs) Oh man, those those are the ones that really stood out for me. Okay, Joe. Um, I've said this about other things in the past, but I really mean it now. Um, The 
moment in the middle of their confrontation where Don and Pete have to stop their march into Cooper's office in order to take their shoes off oh, is yeah. the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. It's it is hysterical to just take like <laughs> it's it's the perfect note of the ridiculous to kind of let the air out of this scene cuz there is like something that's preposterous about actually going through with this blackmail thing. I think Pete certainly is like, "No, you're you we're in polite society. You would never call my bluff." And Don's <laughs> like, "No, we're going we're actually going to go to Cooper's office right now." He's like, "Fine. I you know." And then just to have them both like angrily unlace their dress their 60s dress shoes. It, it's the physical comedy that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. That, that was so another good. one. Very funny. Okay. My favorite is uh, I have two, and they both involve Pete. Of course, we all have our <laughs> we all have our favorites. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I love love the line, and this is sort of influenced by uh, by the commentary bringing it up. I think, but when Pete says uh, <laughs> they're talking about Duck Phillips and his his name, you know, <laughs> and uh, Pete says. Uh, I knew a tuck in high school. At least that has some <laughs> dignity to it. That has an air of dignity to it. The word, the name tuck somehow is more quote dignified, and and the commentary that everyone's busting Pete's balls and yeah. saying no, it fucking doesn't. Pete's an idiot. Yeah, Don, John Ham. Yeah, this is how you know Pete's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Pete's tuck sounds exactly as stupid as duck. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the other the other Pete thing that I really love is um, there's a moment where, you know, when he's starting to get the ball rolling about here's what could happen to you. Um, I'd love to know, you know, more about this Dick Whitman person. Uh, it says here Don or Don Draper is 43 years old, in which case you look remarkably good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when Don gets up from his desk and <laughs> stands above Pete, he he. I don't know how they got this effect, but he looks like a daikaiju, you know, Japanese for giant monster. He looks absolutely gargantuan, and and it's so fucking scary. And in the original, this is from the commentary too. Yes. Um, the originally Pete wasn't supposed to back up when when Don does that, but Vinny couldn't stop himself from backing up as John Hamm. Uh, towered over him and when you look at pete's body language during that whole scene his, his, pete's body language in the whole scene is incredible with the birds and the yeah. him backing up unintentionally and it's just phenomenal mike did you did you see i know you're talking about the bird's hands but once yeah. once don walks up to him do you see his um do you see him yes. lift his hands up a little bit like yes yeah <laughs> you can see that you can see he's sort of getting his hands in a self-defense yes like it's, it's but they're not fully in front of them, but they are sort of like Up it's very subtle. We'll, we'll make that the uh, the social media pick for the episode because yes, yes, we have a picture that we yeah that's going to be it. <laughs> and sort of feebly, limp wristedly moving his it's, hands sort of towards Don. Yeah, yeah, he should have lifted him more up and like don't touch me, but he was just but like no, no. <laughs> He doesn't even know he's doing it. It's just like uh, sort of what you'd see in nature. Like uh, that's good. That's there's good. a documentarian who could narrate this and just say, and then the the other primate, he's very frightened, and so you can see his wrists. He's he's ready to shield his body with his wrists. Oh my god! The, the account executive, the smaller and weaker executive, perhaps sensing <laughs> that he has met nice. his match, begins to show signs of supplication. <laughs> 
But yeah, you know what's funny is, Jal, the same thing happened that happened a few weeks ago where I said to Joe before we recorded, this wasn't uh-huh. that funny of an episode. I oh, right. That. But the the scene where they're all doing Kinsey's play yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that That is very funny. But I would say that is the only thing that I considered knocking the episode for. Only because, not because it's not great, because it, but because it feels more like something out of a like TV show. But yeah, I think that's our Sterling's Gold for this week, folks. Uh, make sure you're uh, watching the TikToks because I think we're going to have a few TikToks from this episode. Because uh, yeah, <laughs> we're we're cracking up over here. Um, speaking of cracking up, uh, it's time for my segment: Michael's mental health bodega and relationship nook. And I wanted to talk about. This is sort of dipping into the carousel territory, but um, something happened. I got my wires crossed mental health-wise when I first watched this episode. Um, I mentioned that I watched season one in Winona, Minnesota um, while I was going to college. And I I thought Pete was, like, doing a good thing here. Like, I was like, finally, this fucking asshole Don <laughs> Draper is getting taken down, you know? I'm Holy not kidding. Shit. Like, yeah. I, and I teased this in, like, the uh, the trailer episode. I'm dead serious. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what was happening in my mind. But you were, no, you were Mike, fully you, imbibed in the Pete perspective. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And and Don, I think when you first watched the show, Don is a bad guy to you. Yeah, I mean that's how I felt. Like when at the end of the pilot, when he's coming home to his wife and kids after saying he doesn't believe in love, um, it's just something that he sells to people. I think somehow I just like. I wasn't used to the anti-hero thing, I right. think. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I was like addled, you know. I, I was I was a mess. So, but I, I something happened, and Pete was the hero of the story. And so when Bert Cooper said, "Who cares?" I was like, "I care." What the heck? <laughs> this guy has to go down for on? his crimes. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy must perish. I mean, maybe I was watching too much, too many uh, shonen anime. I don't know, but. Um, after season one, though, I was like, well, let's see what this Don guy has to offer. Um, and and I did fall in love with Don um, after season one. But sure. it, it was weird. It was weird because even just like a few months later, I was like, wait, why did I have that interpretation? Like, that was wild. <laughs> I think a lot um, of people did, honestly. I, I, when you mention it, like... I, even when I was watching it, I think I thought of Don. I, I kind of was very tisk tisk with Don a lot mm. when I was watching the show. Um, uh, when I first watched it, and um, now you you understand. It's an understanding, yeah. an acceptance, and a follow the journey mode. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think antiheroes were very new to television mm. in two thousand seven. Definitely. Um, whereas, like nowadays. Everyone's an anti-hero, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, but but and I'm not complaining. It's just the way television has evolved as a narrative medium, where it, it can show the gray more as opposed to black and white. Right. Um. But a- anyway, uh, in terms of what the characters are up to and mental health stuff, no. And I, you know what? I I don't hate Harry for what he did, but it's important that I say this because I sometimes forget to say it, uh, fellas. When you're at an office party, don't kiss a coworker. Um, and don't cheat on your significant other with, a anyone, even a co like a coworker, even a coworker, even a coworker. <laughs> I know the temptation is definitely there oh, yeah. mostly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> but Joe, we've we've had we've had many complaints. We've had many complaints uh, from listeners. We've had many complaints because there's a guy who listens to this show like gospel. And during the weeks that I've during the weeks that I've forgotten to bring up, yeah. you know, not cheating on your spouse, your significant other, your wife, um, husband, etc. He he has stopped the show and basically acted like it's a get out of jail free card and gone and done, you know, bad Heinous stuff he's things. gonna regret. Heinous. Yeah, it's one awful. of those and then it's one of those things that it's like if you needed me to tell you this, I'm glad I told you this. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. But the problem, Joe, is I failed this this listener. Oh and, yeah, you failed uh, him. <laughs> I failed him many weeks. Uh not in a row, because I, I usually like remember the next week, and I'm like, "Hey guys, uh, we goofed last week, and we forgot." And he's like, "What the fuck?" I just gave <laughs> my estranged brother five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. What the, f- um, the fuck? But but I'm remembering it this week, and um, you know, it was a different time with Kenny. But uh, to be clear. W- it's just so weird to see Ken doing that stuff. That's we're not getting in spoiler territory, but the 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 Ken that said, you know, uh good work pegs last week. That's the Ken that I love and I yeah. I think that's the Ken Jala loves. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's but it's so silly to be like when someone does bad behavior uh to go, "Oh, that's not the the version of the person I love." Yeah. Uh that's a that's another thing I love about Mad Men though. Is the characterization is like no one, no one's either a good guy or a bad guy, and no one. Yeah. Uh, mm. They also don't fit these like pat sort of cliched roles. Like, yep. You start going into a show about the 1960s, and you think, oh, um, Betty's experience is going to be like this second wave feminism, uh, like bored housewife thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's kind of that, and not to spoil where she goes, but it's not where that sort of thing would expect you to go, or even Peggy. Like, right. Peggy's whole arc. You know, we start through the first season, she goes from being sort of just a secretary to now being this, you know, junior copywriter. And you mm-hmm. think, oh, her story is going to like we think about a show made in our in the 2000s, about the 60s, that it's yeah. going to be about these big social movements. The show's not about that. And the characters aren't that simple. Everybody's got this thing. And Ken, yeah, we there are lovable things about Ken. He's like a good guy yeah. in a lot of ways, but he also does this. Uh everybody's they're layered yeah and everyone's layered and that's the beauty of this show is that nobody's mm-hmm. written with a paper thin back background or personality and um, yeah some of the things they do are contradictory like yeah, yeah. yeah. like people <laughs> pete's a entitled snobby little you know creep but he is also someone who is willing to think out of like these social class boxes in ways that are ahead uh-huh. of his time He's yep. just both things. Yeah, we mentioned that, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, We mentioned that in a few episodes where, like, he has moments where he's ahead of thinking. Um, this is, like, when he's talking with Don a lot of times. Don will mm-hmm. be kind of rooted in the time. I mean, not rooted in the time, but rooted in his age and thinking of things in his time period. And then um, Pete has this new blood approach to thinking. Yeah. You know, believing the therapist's data, believing like the woman's like information, stuff like that. He brings it up a, a few times. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I definitely not. I mean, definitely nobody is painted as like a good guy and a bad guy all the way. Um, but you know, it, all I can say is that Ken 
Ken is one of the best examples of someone growing with the show, and that's not a spoiler. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. Um, and other characters do too. And one of the cool things, if this is your first time watching the show, is I don't think you can predict anyone's basic arc in this show. I don't think you can do it. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they go down these really interesting, what seem like detours. And that's why when people were watching it week by week, oftentimes they'd get so frustrated and then they'd, they'd get to the end of the season and it would all lead to somewhere amazing. And they'd go, oh, okay, the finale was good. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then as time goes on, the public opinion about each season of Mad Men changes because right. it's like, oh, in context, everything had a had a purpose for being there. You were, you were just looking at it on a granular level as opposed right. to, you know, seeing the bigger picture or trying it's to like see the bigger picture, I guess. In a painting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for yes. sure. For sure, um, for sure. But yeah, uh, I think that's about it for my mental health and relationship stuff. I, I Well, no, actually, it's not. You know, every week I go, I think that's about it, and then think of something. I, I, Jala is the biggest Rachel Menken fan oh, that yes. we that we know. She's going um, to get my posters ready, too. I'm going to get my posters. Yeah. They're going to be in the back. I don't know, man. Because uh, I don't. Did you watch this week's episode? I did. I did. She's gone, man. (laughs) I think she's gone. Mike, no. (laughs) Is she gone? I think so, man. I think so. Uh, She's gone. As the zombies would say, she's gone. Um, But I I thought that scene was really, really good. We talked about John Hamm's acting, but it's also the death of the the dream for Rachel. Uh, And she, she sees that this guy she thought was this badass, super suave, cool guy he may be those things but he's also a coward and her face is just so great yeah she's like she sees everything that's going on with don on the surface she doesn't know why he's acting this way but she knows that he is abandoning like stuff that's important to her her his family his life and she just can't understand like why he would ask her to give up everything for him and it's it's the it's a great culmination of this really kind of distressing and sad arc where we see a really intelligent person being drawn in by uh, Don Draper's charms and his uh, his his stories that he tells. Don is good, man. He's really really good. It, you know, like the crafted Don Draper is like almost irresistible in a way. Mm-hmm. Like he almost made it that way, and. Um, Rachel falls for it, but they do have they do have a genuine they do have some t- something that's genuine t- between yeah. each other, and um, it's just uh, you know she has some lines in there that is just incredible and um, well, kind of like what you were mentioning, Mike. Like she, you know, you don't want to run away. You don't want to run away with me. You just want to run away. Like right. These are these yeah. are big. These are big lines. So and it's her talking to herself too <clears throat> about you know. Not not necessarily talking to herself, but yeah. her realization of everything she's been doing the last few months, you know, mm-hmm. and th- this person that she's pinned her love and her hope onto, it- it's it's all falling through. But yep. the thing that I respect Matthew Weiner and whoever helps plot out the whole season is like, you would think that this is a finale vibe, uh, right. the Don the Don and Rachel stuff not working out. You would right. think that would be the focus of an episode, mm-hmm. but. Somehow it's not the focus of the episode, and yet it's given the respect and like the moment it deserves yes. for it ending because it's it's rooted not just in the saucy affair 
But it's rooted in the character of Don and the character of Rachel and their like not just their romantic feelings, but also their their feelings about themselves and right. like why did I do this? They're both kind of like questioning why they did something and why they're like thinking about leaving things behind. You know, right, it's it's. Exactly. I just think it's a great scene, and it's probably underappreciated in an episode that also has uh, Don the Kaiju, <laughs> Don the versus, kaiju. versus Pete, uh, the opposite of Ultraman, uh, <laughs> lesser lesser boy. Mm-hmm. Let's say, I, Mike. I've been. I was waiting for this for that scene. Um, this whole this whole season, um, I knew it was coming. I knew it, and I was like, I forgot where it was, but I was waiting for it. And when it came, yeah. I was like, I was like, yes, this is it. This is it. This is the moment. This is the moment I was waiting for. The acting and that, the, the, their back and forth in the acting is just, it's bar none, man. It's bar none stuff. Joe, oh, you, I, I think you were going to say something. About just, it. I got to give it up for Rachel Mencken. She's one of the best. Like, isn't she? In that scene, especially, she's so great. In yeah. One, she nails Don completely. She sees through him completely in that moment and yep. succinctly like you're a coward, you know, and <laughs> just also, calls him out on it. One of my favorite like Mad Men things is when someone hears something really mind blowing. So then they just take it into the next meeting they have uh, with with <laughs> that's almost a steal- Sterling's gold is just the way that she says you haven't thought this through. And then Don says yeah, it yeah, to yeah, Pete yeah. twice. You haven't thought this through. <laughs> yeah. This is a unique thought that I'm having Don, right now. Don's chief skill, of course, is hearing something cool and then telling it to someone else at work. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, man. So aside from skewering Don completely, I just like, I'm so sad for her about this. And I admire this in what she's willing in that moment to walk away from. Cause, like, right. Yeah. Right. In the 60s, like their relationship as like, as much as it is fucked up, it's an affair with this guy. But like, mm-hmm. For Rachel, this is a this is a man who genuinely admires her for mm-hmm. her intelligence, her character, for her professionalism that she can connect right. to in this way that is outside of like you know romantic male and female relationships in that time period. Mm-hmm. It, I'm sure it's like that's why she's so drawn to him from the jump is even when he's being an asshole. Uh, well, probably right. not when he's being an asshole, but when they do start to connect, it is for these. The things about herself that she values. She's able to see those reflected in the way Don feels about her. And in that moment right. to have that like crumble, to col- to have it collapse w- because of what Don's doing, showing up with his teenager voice. Uh, <laughs> but also the strength of her convictions to be like, no, nah, get out of here. This is done. This was a mistake. And I'm not going to cling on to it anymore. I'm going to keep going and have, you know, it. This is just another thing I don't need. One one of the mo- one of the strongest emotionally well characters in the show. Yeah. Um, even falling into Don's pit, but realizing what's happening, trying to talk herself out of it, but then, you know, at that pivotal scene, being able to break loose from it. Yeah. Just just masterful. What I like about it is that it takes this character that I think, as you're watching it, you're kind of worried about how she's going to be portrayed when it inevitably doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives her her dignity yeah. in a really yeah. awesome yeah. way that you wouldn't have expected from a lesser show. Um, yeah. You would expect her to become a woman scorned. or But she has all the self-respect in the world to say, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't cry. She doesn't, you know, 
beg for him to reconsider and I'll talk about this with you later. Yeah. You know, she she knows what she deserves. But that but that's what I've been saying is yeah. like it, it, Mad Men seems like a show that was on for years, but we're just seeing it now. You know, right. and who knows how many other women he's done stuff like this with. You know, and right. the, the flashback. I will say the flashback, Joe, with the yeah. Korea stuff. It's it's when he's on the train. They sort of allude to like, you know, he he uses women to escape because a woman helped him escape on the train that day. You know, like that's yeah, not sure. why he he uses women, but it, it shows like yeah. the roots of that. Like yeah, like I don't know. I I like that. Like he's like, oh, this identity is going to help me um, find you know what I need. You know, and and she she says, forget about the boy in the box, right. aka forget about Dick Whitman. Yeah, he's so, gone. It's over. Yeah, that's that's one of the many things that helped him choose this uh, lifestyle. No, I'm I'm with you. I um I think um I think having Don be this type of character in the show really helps. I think it also just helps excel the other characters around him, though. Too. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Right. But yeah, that was the mental health nook and relationship pied de terre. Um. All right, Jala, the next segment is yours, my friend. Yes, we have entered the Fatherhood Corner segment. Um, for this episode, um, there's two pieces. One small piece um, is Betty and Don. They have a very small moment together, and um, it's the funny piece where Betty has to voice that she didn't expect Don coming home, which is a weird red flag and it's actually really a bad habit that don is now setting for his mm-hmm. wife um it puts her in a position to like not trust that he's going to come home every night uh, because of his actions and things of that nature which again is just pushing them further apart from each other um don i don't know if don is picking up on that fact but as a viewer watching it you can see that betty's kind of getting tired of this whole routine that don is doing not being there being there not being there like when she thinks he's not coming she's chilling has a wine the kids hanging out watching the watching the election and then when he comes it's almost like an inconvenience of like interesting yeah right it's it's very it's very weird and um i don't know if don's picking up on that vibe but you can tell that there's a little bit of a ridge or uh, a little bit of a um, dysfunctionness right that they're having in their relationship so for for don and betty i have that um, but for me, the the best part for the fatherhood corner is the uh, the interaction that Peggy and Don have in his office. Mm. Um, Don is flustered after being rejected by uh, Rachel and basically ending it. And um, he comes into his office and Peggy's just in there crying. And he he's like, at this moment, he's just fed up with like, he's like, what the I came in my office and. Now you're in here crying, but, but we have to stop because Don realizes that he blew up, but then once he realizes, you know, Peggy and she's having a weak moment, he turns on his dad mode. He gives her the drink, you know, he tells her to calm down, you know, Peggy kind of goes into her diatribe about, you know, being hated in the office and, you know, you know, I just do what I do and try not to bother anybody and. It's not fair. And I thought that was a beautiful speech that she... Uh, it wasn't a speech, but it was a beautiful um, segment that she had 
and that was kind of a touching moment that Peggy felt comfortable enough to actually say all the things that she was feeling rather than crying about it and kind of like maybe like cowering away or running out of the office. They're really starting to develop this um, this community, this open communication with each other, and um, you can really see the daddy daughter um, style that um, that they're going through. I believe when she's able to kind of speak to what she's feeling, and Don's able to kind of Don Don is too flustered to really be super soft with her, but in his franticness, he can say, you know finish your drink like yeah. as almost like a gulp of a release like just to be like it's a okay, medicine it's medicine it's a medicine finish your medicine you. yeah. yeah finish your medicine basically which which dads and i mean i'm very familiar with that it's it's certainly the best advice he can give in that moment that it's the Absolutely. best he's got in him you know yeah. he's he's definitely flustered by rachel uh or i don't know about flustered as much as like sad but i think it's important to remember he's also freaked out about the pete stuff still and yep. that's why he's really saying that stuff about privacy. Um, oh, you know, right. that's that's Good definitely point. part of it. He's mad about yeah. Rachel, sure, but there's an underlying thing about him getting some privacy here. And yep. Pete tried to barge into his office uh, <laughs> and then got away with it the second time. But um, right. I, I do – I don't know. I, I wish that he could have said something to Peggy when she was talking about all that she was going through. Um, yeah. And he doesn't give a shit that, uh, you know, it. I don't expect He internalized it. Yeah. No, and this is an episode. I'm glad you said that because this is an episode where he's being inspired by the women in his life, or at least not Betty, but he's being inspired (laughs) by Rachel and by Peggy because Peggy's speech leads into him standing up to Pete. uh, Exactly. Where she's saying bad people get to do whatever they want and yep. the good people suffer. He's saying, I'm a good person. Uh, <laughs> That's what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, That's what I think he's thinking. You know, yeah. no, I'm with you on that. So I thought about that, about how her anecdote and, and how her little, you know, speech uh, spurs him to action. And I was reminded of um, from Pulp Fiction, you know, where uh, Samuel L. Jackson, he's breaking down his own like iconic, you know, speech. He's like, I, I used to think that I was the shepherd, uh, and then I used to think that I was the innocent man, but now I realize that I'm the iniquity, the tyranny of evil men, but I'm trying to be the shepherd. Uh, I think yeah. I think that's where Don is at. I don't think Don is as deluded or naive to think that he is one of the good people like Peggy. I'd like to think that in that moment, Don understands that he is someone who, he's the one who does, he's the people in that dichotomy that does whatever he wants he walks over uh, he walks over people he i think he has to be thinking in that moment especially with the juxtaposition of the flashbacks he's thinking about his sort of original sin which is walking away from his family from his brother and he's like oh i'm like that but then so is pete and i think what motivates him in that last thing is like he's like i may be a piece of shit and i feel pretty terrible about myself but I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let Pete win. I yeah. am willing to I'm willing to burn down he's like Pete says, You're willing to blow yourself up rather than give me a job, than give me what I want? And he is. He is yeah, in that he'll do it. He doesn't know what, what Bert's gonna say. He's you know he's very scared by Pete's threat throughout the whole episode, but he's like, I'm gonna throw myself on this metaphorical grenade. And it turns out yeah. well for him, but uh yeah, 
It was a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it and it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what lessons he learns from this because it, it almost seems to me like it was this huge moment of him like taking this huge risk in his professional life, his personal life. Mm-hmm. He, his life would be ruined by this. You know, he, he went for it and he got rewarded for it. And yeah. uh, as opposed to like facing the consequences of his actions. So I, it, it's going to be interesting to see where his character arc goes, you know, because <laughs> uh, what do you do now? Yeah. What do you do now? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. When you're point. like, you tried to confess and then your your boss is like, who cares? Let's just keep this lie going as long as you're uh, making money, you yeah. know? As long as you work for I me. Mean, I, as long as you work for me, you're fine. And he's like, well, shit, I kind of deserve to be punished. I think that's the thing is Don thinks he deserves to face consequences in this moment, at least. Um, so it's just, it's almost anticlimactic, the, the Burt Cooper scene. Not just for us, the audience, but for Don as well. It's not going how he thought it should go or would go, excuse me. And, um, you know, he didn't fire Pete by the end of the episode. So it's, it is interesting. What I always wonder is why he didn't fire Pete here. And I'm not sure, not sure I can ever think of the right answer. It's because Cooper had said something before Don left that I guess. Well, I know the line that, that it's one never knows how loyalty is formed, but I don't know what that means to Don though. Right, yeah. I'm like, why would you think that he'd be loyal? He just tried to, like, rat you out <laughs> five seconds ago. But it's it's some chess game that I'm not hip to yet. I yeah. I have a guess. I mean, Cooper's playing chess. Oh yeah, go. Oh, as far as Cooper, I've thought about that line a lot, and I think mm-hmm. that I love Cooper, but he is unfortunately a character on the show, which means that he's full of shit. In season one, Cooper is more full of shit. Yeah, yeah we Coop- we've noticed that. We love Coop, but he he's kind of I think Bert goofy says what he said like in order to he, because he thinks it's his best play to get what he wants, which is Don working for him and Campbell's family connections. Yeah. You know, he's like I don't. He does admit like yeah, he he does tell Don in that moment yeah you're more important to me than him. Um, right. but I think he right. I think that seed is his way of being like I. But I also I'm gonna try to get in your head a little bit. But uh, yeah, my my theory for Don why Don doesn't take him up on that offer is that um, Don's default course of action is to run away from his problems. And although he did just do a brave thing and confront his problems, he's gonna course correct after that and be like, "Well, let's get. <laughs> I I'd I'd like to forget about this too. So we're gonna pretend this didn't happen." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we do see over the course of season one, Pete and Don's relationship does evolve. And there, there's moments where you think it's getting better and then Pete does something bad, um, like him pitching copy to someone when he's a he's a, an executive yeah, or he's yeah. a uh, accounts man, you know, and you think, OK, he's going to be good from now on. And then he's bad again. And uh, but there are these moments where Don does seem to be like trying to look out for this kid and, and give him good advice and good feedback like that's the thing that's been most interesting about doing dad men is, is that we have noticed that Don doesn't hate Pete, that it would be easy if he hated Pete, but right. he, he does show signs that he cares about someone, or this guy, despite the fact that one, he's a little bit uh, intimidated by what he represents. And two, he's annoying as shit and socially awkward. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's, I, I think maybe the answer lies in there too, where it's like, I'm telling you the harsh truth that you come from money. You don't deserve this. And I, I'm telling you to your face, you need to accept that, you know? Yeah, and you need to work harder. Yeah, and and maybe that's why he didn't fire Pete, because uh, Pete hasn't thought this through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as he said twice, <laughs> so. 
No, you're right, Mike. I think I think um, because he doesn't hate him, he won't. He's not gonna fire him. Like th- because if he did, it's an easy cut. Just get this guy out of here. Like I don't care about him. But if he does, I mean, then. But I mean, if he doesn't get rid of him, then it's like okay, there's something here. Obviously, it rubs me the wrong way now, but there is still something here, and I'm willing to work with it. The, the point of the Father Corner and the Peggy and Don piece is that Peggy and Don really help each other um, on multiple levels. Yeah, and, and Peggy has grown so much from the, the kid and the pilot who, um, you know, gets the hell out of there when there's an awkward moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, now she talks to Don and isn't, like, so uh, submissive. Like, obviously, she respects her boss and... It is getting out of there, but she tells him what's going on and right. yeah, and vents to him, you know, which is probably huge for the sixties and being a, a, a woman in, in that Absolutely. position too. So, yeah, it's not nothing that she's willing to like speak her convictions in that moment mm-hmm. and that she thinks yes. yep. she must on some level think that Don's receptive to that. Yep. Yeah. It's the comfortableness mm-hmm. that she, that she's developing with him. And this is why I kind of wanted to bring up their relationship and this kind of faux, you know, father daughter thing that I crafted for you know the three characters in this episode, Don, Pete, and uh, and Peggy. Yeah, um, it, it, that comfortableness can allow people to speak their truth. That's kind of like my whole sti- my whole uh, stitch about um, about the father corner and kind of piecing together this. Uh, yeah, it may be invisible, maybe not triangle that they have together. So, all right, it's time for the last segment of the show. Mod men and Joe, you you brought this up earlier, um, but uh, you you were saying something about how this episode related to more modern events. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Tell me if this rings a bell. Um, <laughs> it's an election night. Uh, all the projections and models have um, come out very strongly in favor of one candidate over the other and the thought of mm. the other candidate winning is so remote as to be almost um uh, unthinkable and you go through the night very sure about what's going to happen about who's going to be the president tomorrow and then maybe you stay up a little too late because um some numbers coming in have given you some kind of pause and maybe this this narrative is changing a little bit maybe you go to bed not sure what's going to happen <laughs> and then you wake up tomorrow and huh i really didn't expect that person to be president and now we got to think about what it means how how we're going to live our life going forward yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know what's funny is i i actually like hadn't thought about that in years like i remember the presidency you're referring to uh (laughs) i remember pretty much every everything that you're talking about like after the election night but until you described it I realized, oh, I blocked that whole night out. Like, it's gone. Oh, uh, uh, but I, I knew, for some reason, I, I knew it would go that way, but I felt crazy. Like, Oh, really? Obviously, I didn't, kn- I, obviously I didn't really know. Like, I'm not, I'm not, like, 538 type of guy. Like, I don't have political analysis. But, like, in my gut, when I watched him say uh, to the other candidate, <laughs> we're trying to tiptoe around it. When I watched Donald Trump say to Hillary Clinton, uh... I would lock you up. Uh, I would. You would be under arrest, you know. And the crowd cheered at the debate. That's when I said, "Holy shit! Like we are living in a nightmare." And 
the crowd is like responding not in a way that I predicted at all. That this isn't making any sense. And I realized like, oh, he's got like super intense support and like he's being underestimated at every turn. And when SNL had uh, Hillary Clinton say, I think I'm going to be president. I oh, yeah. I said, oh, God, no. They <laughs> oh, just – they. you ever heard of the jinx? <laughs> the concept oh, yeah. of the jinx? I think that's, that's also when they jinxed it. But, uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, like when I went to bed, I, I said, oh, Jesus, it's, it's not going to go like well. And when I woke up at about – I think it was 5 a.m., I checked my phone and it had a text alert for the news. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to hadn't, – I hadn't looked with my eyes yet. I just saw that there was a text alert. And I said, it's going to say Trump's president. Here we go. And then when I saw it, it was like, did I cause this? Like by by, <laughs> by uh, thinking that before I clicked, you know, it's like the God. OCD. In, in yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, I felt crazy, but I was like, I think that this isn't going the way everyone is reporting. It's going <laughs> like how easily Hillary is going to win. You know, I don't know. That was a good sense, though, to have, because I don't know if I thought that initially. I just I just knew that people felt weird about what was happening as they were calling out different states started to look a yeah. little gray like 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 joe's mentioning like bringing yep. back to the nixon kennedy it started to look it started to look more gray than i expected and i was like uh-oh it, it's just yeah i i went to bed at like i think it was like 8 p.m when i went to bed so i missed all okay. of that yeah uh, i stayed up for it and uh when I'm i so saw I the <laughs> uh, when i saw the results i uh <laughs> I threw up, uh, I changed my icon, I think on Facebook or something, to the uh, Idiocracy icon, or yeah. the Idiocracy lo- or, uh, movie poster logo. Right, I will withhold my comment uh, about that. Everyone knows what I'm thinking. but Oh yeah, daddy needs his wine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> ah, man, sorry. I'm with you, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, Joe, it's a good point uh, that, you know, there's some interesting parallels to be made here. Don is, I'm having an original thought here. Uh, Don is Nixon and Pete is Kennedy. Ooh. And uh, I think it's interesting that the, the stories are inverted and in that in, in reality, Kennedy won. But yeah. in uh, The Office, mm-hmm. Nixon won. Don has a great talent for backing losing horses. Yeah, when there's like a famous matchup or something, it's usually the case that Don <laughs> will pick wrong. Uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look out for that. Actually, I gotta look out. for That's that. a good note, Joe. I will remember that. Yeah, I was just looking at my notes. Um, I don't know yeah. if you want me to do some quick hits from my notes about this episode. Yeah, we need more. We need more time. We need some more material. <laughs> <laughs> we got. We, the, we got to fatten this up. Okay. Yeah, this is. We got nothing. We got. Um, <laughs> I said that when uh, Pete is looking at the box, he is imagining what life would be like if Don were his older brother. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. That's really good. We should. He's like jealous of Adam. Wow. I like these quick hits. <laughs> a thing like that. Wow. <laughs> God, what if he had just come to Don in his office and said, you know, your brother seems very lucky. Oh, your brother's a very lucky boy. I... Wow. That actually, you saying that, what a twist. It brings what chills. It brings twist. me chills. Yeah. Pete, like Don thinks he's about to threaten him and he goes, I'm very sorry. It came to be by, by mistake. I was sitting in my chair because, or in your chair because I look up to you. And well, your brother's a very lucky young man. I, I wish I had had a brother like you. My yeah. brother is a fuck up. He's an idiot. Well, and then he blackmails him to to try to be his older brother. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, that's even better. Why can't you give uh, me what I want? <laughs> Why can't you give me what I want? <laughs> See, we're acting like brothers right now. What is so hard to understand about this? <laughs> 
<laughs> what else is so me. hard to understand about this? <laughs> Honestly, we need somebody. This is fan fiction, yo. This yeah, is we, all fan fiction. Well, this is on the Patreon. We're gonna do. We're gonna act out this episode. We're uh, gonna. The last thing I'll say is another thing from the commentary from. Uh, this is Vincent Carthiza doing a hilarious joke during the uh, when Don comes back with the coffin. Uh, when we see young Adam Whitman, Vincent says, I tried out for this part. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, as, as young Adam is chasing after the train, Dick, Dick, you hear Vincent quietly on the commentary, Dick. <laughs> like, this is, how, this is how he would have done it. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I think we got it all covered now, Joe. Thanks. Uh, You're welcome. We're, we're going to do was fun. a table read like they did in the episode of our spec script where it's like the same episode but then the twist when pete comes into don's office is you know the brother blackmail uh, i'd like you to reconsider my qualifications as your younger <laughs> my brother qualifications. <laughs> as I'm your little brother <laughs> you're adult. make a fool yourself get out why does pete continue after don says no it's that's the scary part this oh, is like shit. scarier than the actual episode because yeah. Really, it's exactly like fucked up. Corporate blackmail is one thing, but this is like single <laughs> like white sick. female stuff. Yeah, it's sick. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we we both are wearing the same color suit today. You think that was by accident? The costume design, Don. Have you read about the costume design <laughs> in the show? It shows that we're aligned. <laughs> and then Don would say, "Brothers don't wear the matching. They won't wear matching outfits. Twins do." And that's where Don. Did. You know, in uh, the scene where Pete says, "Why? What would they offer?" Uh, and and Don looks shocked. In our version, he gets shocked when Pete yells on accident, "Twins do!" And then he's like, "Oh, so he has the shocked face." <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've gotten way off task. Oh man, no, that's amazing yes, shit. Yes, um, but Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We will uh, gladly have you back. I had a, a complete blast. I was, I was, it was a thrill. And we'll we'll have you on for one of your five star picks, and hey, maybe one of the uh, less stars, less Manhattans, rather. But um, that'll do it for us this week. But remember, the medium is the message. Adios, everyone. Bye. This has been a Destiny Park Media production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.